Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. I'm Frank Benali. This is Klaus Lundekram. I'm Matt Letizia. Dean Hammond's here. And you're listening to In That Number. Here is Letizia. with me, Kevin, the Moscow Mush Milverton, and Ray Hunt. Find me on Twitter at Moscow Mush, and my co-host Ray Hunt at Ray Hunt 84 Follow the show at Number Podcasts on Twitter, in that Number Podcasts on Instagram and Facebook. If you've got any questions for the show, if you can be bothered, send us an email to InThatNumberPodcast at gmail.com. Leave us a five-star review on iTunes or wherever it is you get your podcasts. Share, subscribe, and give us good vibes. Let's go. Right, welcome to a very special episode. This is episode 158, uh, with no football to go over. Uh, we thought we'd take this time to bring in a guest, uh, and with me today, a special one, a uh, former fullback and Johnston's Bank Trophy winner, a defensive mainstay during his time with the club, uh, in one of the toughest times facing an uncertain future with League One point deduction. Uh, it gives me great pleasure to bring in Dan Harding. Dan, firstly, thank you so much for giving up your time and chatting with me today. You're welcome. Uh, yeah, the pleasure is definitely all mine. Um, secondly, how are you? And are you enjoying the break from uh, domestic football? Uh, yeah, no, I'm good, thank you. Um, yeah, to be fair, I can't wait for the, for the new season to kick off. Um, but yeah, it is nice to get a break from the uh, 
the, the rigors of the watching, you know, Southampton in the Premier League. Definitely, yeah. Right, but it's exciting to get back as well. Have you been catching any of the England games at all? No, no. I, I got to be honest, I don't really tend to. I, it's a bit of a nonsense in my eyes, um, <laughs> if I'm completely honest, and I think the results reflect that. So no, I don't, I don't, I don't follow that at all. Are you uh, are you fearing for the for the World Cup now at all? No, not at all. I sort of get probably the mentality of the players is that they've had a long, hard season and, you know, they probably just want to go away with their family and spend some time with their family before the new the new season kicks off and before they head into the World Cup and, and they're off having to play all these games. Um, that as much as it's, it's an amazing achievement to play for your country, doesn't, you know, for me, it's not really needed. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm with you there. I mean, it's just, um, I haven't actually watched any of the England games. I've just seen the results because of, of the hours that I do and all that. But, um, yeah, I, I'm no doubt I'll be uh, well up for it when the World Cup starts. But, uh, yeah, the, these games just don't really matter to me now. But, yeah, being a Saints fan and considering the way that the season ended for us, and uh, you know, I was just I was looking forward to the break and, you know, hitting the reset and then, you know, go again next year. But, you know, I had one weekend off and then I, I just miss it again. And I guess it's kind of a love-hate relationship with Saints. You just you miss them when they're not here. Yeah, they're you know, used to go into the game and... and that was all good stuff. Sure, People involved in their lives so much that, you know, it takes up their week and, you know, they go into work and talk about it and they look forward to the weekends and, and stuff like that. So once that's not there, they, they have to fill a void. Um, so I can imagine why, why people do miss it so much. Definitely, yeah. We're going to talk about, well, about you, really, and about your career from the beginnings, from you know, from Brighton to Leeds, Ipswich, and of course the the highlight when you signed for Saints, um, and after, and of course what you're up to now and stuff. Uh, but yeah, so let, let's start with with, you, with the youth. Like, you, is this right? You were born in Gloucester. Yeah, so I, was, I was born there. My, my dad was in the army, so we moved about quite a lot. Um, I spent some time in Germany. Um, I spent oh. some time um, just outside of London. Um, but when I was when I was six years old, uh, my dad moved to Brighton. So. I've never moved since. Well, obviously for work I have, but that was where I was sort of born and bred in Brighton. Uh, I wasn't born and bred in Brighton, but that's where I spent most of my sure. uh, my younger life. Yeah, I was gonna say because Gloucester's more probably known for its rugby and, and its and its cricket and stuff like yeah, that. No, 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 I think I was only born. I was the only time I was there when I was born there. I think we uh, by the time I was like six months anyway. So, um, I because my dad was in the army, we didn't tend to spend too long in one place. If that makes sense. Yeah. No, I was just wondering if you were like a Cheltenham fan or a Forest Green or something like that. No, definitely not. Bristol. No. no. Um, so I guess, well, I guess I'll ask where the love of football came from then. Definitely came, you know, from my family. My, my, my granddad was in the army um, and he played football in the army. My dad was in the army. He played for the army. So that it was uh, that was a natural progression, probably to go into the army and play football. But I sort of broke the mould and was able to have a, um, a football career rather than, than go into the army and play football. Uh, was there a particular player or, or team that you uh, that you followed or a player that you looked up to? The funny story actually is that, that when we was out in Germany, um, I think it was the 1990-91 season that Leeds won the, the the league. That's right, yeah. And that was, because I lived in Germany, the only football, the only English football that I was exposed to was that team that won the league. Um, so... I wouldn't say I was a huge Leeds fan, but I, I, I supported Leeds off the back of that. Yeah, and that was all pre-Premier League as well, wasn't it? So as soon as the Premier League went, it went global and yeah, that was it. But yeah. Um, yeah, so the only English football that I was exposed to at, at that young age was, was that Leeds team. 
Um, so I, I definitely have a soft spot for, for Leeds, although I wouldn't say I'm a, a diehard fan. Uh, when did you do decide that you uh, wanted to be a fullback? Did you, was that something you just fell into? Yeah, it actually, it, it, it was something that I fell into. It was um, I was at Brighton and I was in the youth team uh, with Dean Wilkins. And what what happened with Brighton was struggling, um, not so much on the pitch. It was more financially that they really struggled. And um, Mickey Adams was the manager um, at the time, and there was a lot of emphasis on the on the youth team because that was the only sort of way that they were going to bring players in and couldn't really afford to bring players in. So Mickey, you know, looked at the youth team um, and wanted to bring them through. And it just so happened that two of the left backs at the club got injured. Um, so their natural progression was to look into the youth team. Um, and I was playing centre midfield, but I had a left foot. And I think they sort of looked at me and looked to see that I had the attributes to be a fullback. Um, so it literally sort of fell in place, really, that I then sort of played a game in the reserves as fullback, and then and never never went back into the field. And unfortunately, I went into the first team not, you know, quite quite soon after that. It was it something that you enjoyed, or would you have rather have played centre midfield? Uh, I think centre midfielders get played a little bit more, so I, I probably <laughs> enjoyed that part of it. But no, I think uh, as a defender, um, it, it's always quite tough because you are sort of the first point of blame for goals conceded, um, which, you know, the finger can be pointed very quickly at you, um, whereas midfielders, not so much. But it is something that I was very fortunate to have a career in that position and, you know, I wouldn't change it for the world. That's perfect. Um, and, you, and you started UU football with Brighton and signed at the age of 16, spent three years there. Um, how was that? How was the whole youth set up there at Brighton at that time? Uh, it, well, it was amazing. It, well, it, it was it was it was what I needed at the time, and it's something that I, I always go back to and relate to a lot. Because for me, how football's developed, you've got to learn to. You're an apprentice at the end of the day. You know, you, you haven't played a first team game. You're not even really a professional footballer. So in my eyes, you shouldn't be treated like one. Um, whereas I think the world has slightly changed now that you know these boys are sort of 15, 16 that are getting signed. They're being signed into a into a professional football environment, but yet they're nowhere near the first team. So for me, the environment that I grew up in was was a little bit old school. Um, you know, it was a little bit tougher. Um, it, and it, but however, I would put a lot of success down to those early years. Was there any um, big names that you played with there? Was was Dean Hammonds there at the time as well? Yeah, so Dean Hammond was in was in the, in the youth team with myself. Um, Bobby Zamora was in the first team at the time. Oh wow. Um, Nathan Jones was my roomie. Um, you know, he's gone on to manage Stoke and Luton. Yeah. He had a good good career, but uh, he's doing very, very well as a manager. Danny Cullock went on to sign on for Sheffield United. Um, but yeah, there was there were some there were some big characters in that changing room, um, and I was very fortunate enough to learn off learn off them. What was Dean like? Is he? Are you still in contact with him now? Yeah, no, he's very good. He's he's. Um, what actually happens is I've moved back to, to the area and he's moved back to the area. And we have seen each other a couple of times. Obviously, you know, we've got kids and families and stuff. And life does get in the way. So I haven't seen him for a while, but it, it's nice to, to when you do bump into these players. It, it's like, you know, you, you can talk about all the old times and things like that. So although we don't see each other on a regular basis, we have bumped into each other a couple of times. That's nice. Your first Albion appearance then was, what, 2002 against against Norwich, I believe. Do you remember that? Remember it yeah, well? Yeah, actually. Um, and the guy um, that was in temporary charge at the time, I actually saw him the other day at, a, um, at my kids' football match. Um, so that was really nice. 
Um, yeah, I think we lost two 0 uh, and I came yeah. to the left hand side of the field. Um, but it was it was a special moment, you know, something that I'll never forget. And then you went and signed your first pro contact contract in two thousand and three, um, and I get well that 2003-04 season must have been pretty special because you gained your like a starting place there and. You, you know, you stayed there, and then you gained promotion to the championship via the playoffs, and that was against Bristol City, wasn't it? Yeah, I mean, it was. It was very rarely, uh, you know, do you find yourself breaking into the first team and, and getting a promotion under your belt. So, I think the whole experience was was very important for the development uh, of myself as a footballer going forward. So, it, it was an amazing season, and it, you know, to be able to deal with the pressures that come with a promotion. Um, at that time, is uh, I think it stepped me instead for, the, for for my career. And your first goal against Rotherham. Um, but bearing in mind, I'm, I mean, I'm taking some of these facts from Wikipedia as well, so I don't know <laughs> how how accurate these are. But yeah, your first goal against Rotherham was that like the, the best feeling? I mean, when you look back at all your goals that you've scored, was that like the best one because it was the first? Uh, no, probably. Yeah, I mean. I can sort of vaguely remember it, but I think, I think, you know, playing at the Wivedean, as good as it was, um, you know, the lack of atmosphere and the lack of people was 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 something I didn't realise at the time. But when when you start scoring goals for bigger clubs on bigger occasions in front of more people, um, it, it doesn't really take the the shine off it because your first goal is obviously important. But obviously, it, it sort of has a more special feeling to score in front of 40,000 people rather than 5,000. Yeah, and scoring at St Mary's as well must must be uh, pretty special. Um, you, you've gone on to play for a number of clubs in your career. Um, forgive me if I forget any of them. So it's Leeds, Ipswich, Southend, Reading, Forest, Millwall, Eastleigh, uh, Whitehawk, uh, and of course Saints. Um, oh, and England, England number 21, let's not forget that. Um, after Brighton, you moved on to Leeds. Um, you only spent a season there before signing for Ipswich in 2006. Uh, I guess was a more successful time there. Um, but then you spent some time in uh, South End on Lane. Yeah, so I mean, the, the, the year at Leeds, and, and that was that was an amazing year. We got to the playoff final and then lost, unfortunately. Um, but the, the club didn't want me to leave. Um, I remember sitting down with the, with the, with the manager in the season, and they, and they were desperate for me to stay. But what they couldn't do was, was promise me the game time that I, that I wanted. Um, and I was always a player that wanted to play football rather than sort of training all week and then, you know, either on the bench or sat in the hands. Um, so for me, the, the opportunity to become the regular first team left back in Ipswich rather than you know, a young uh, player that's not playing at Leeds, that appealed to me more. Um, although you could probably argue that, that Leeds is a, is, a, is a bigger club. Um, the lure of first-team football was, was definitely more important to me than anything else. And were you getting that first-team football at Southend? Yeah, so I, I went to Ipswich and had two, I think, two, two years there. Um, and we, we missed out on the playoffs. Very narrowly. Was that that was under Jim Magilton? Yeah, it? under Jim Magilton, and then I came back and um, we signed Ben Thatcher, um, which which sort of again they didn't want me to leave, um, but it meant probably not as many first team games as what I wanted. Um, so I took a step sort of backwards um, to go and play regular football again, um, which then led me on. Oh, I spent I think about four months there, might have been six months, and then, which then elevated me to, to the move to Reading, um, 
where we were we were um, going for for promotion to the Premier League. Um, return to Ipswich, and was was Roy Keane there at that time? No, Roy came in when I when I left. Um, so you didn't get to work. He was Keane. there when I was there, but I went out on loan to to Reading. Ah, um, uh, so you didn't get to get to know him a little bit. Uh, well, yeah, I, I was I was around the place when he was there. Um, I spoke to him a few times. Um, he was telling me what he wanted, and I just didn't see myself fitting into his mould of, of <laughs> left back. Um, so that's why I decided to to take the loan move to Reading. Is he is he as scary as he looks on TV? Uh, yeah, I mean, Roy was always very. Uh, the one thing with Roy is, is he's honest. So he 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 was. Sometimes you might not want to hear what he wants to say, but at least you know where you stand with him. Um, obviously, he holds he holds um, an aura about him. Um, mm. But um, no, I mean, I, I, nothing but respect for him in terms of, you know, he was honest with me. He told me what he wanted. He told me what he was trying to achieve. Um, and therefore, I, I can make a decision. A lot of managers, you know, will go around the houses or won't have, you know, they'll be able to tell you what he told you face to face. And therefore, you don't really know where you stand. So you can't make a decision. Um, so the time that I did spend with Roy, um, I've got nothing but good things to say about him. Oh, that's good. That's good because I mean I, I hear a lot of stuff about him saying that you know he has a lot of falling out with players and a lot of people don't get on with him and you, you can see why because of his demeanour on on the telly and stuff and but but yeah that, that's that's good to hear. Um, and then in two thousand nine, July twenty first, you became Alan Pardew's first signing. I think he'd only been manager for a few days and and then he gets you in. Um, can you tell us how that move came about? Um, yeah, he contacted. Well, it was it was, it was a bit strange actually. Is that I was due to sign for Reading, um, but um, Steve Koppel left um, at the end of the season. Um, but the director of football told me they wanted to sign me, um, but they just needed to get the manager in place first. So I sort of sat there for a few weeks, went on holiday, came back, and Brendan Rogers came in. Um, and it's quite an ironic story actually. But then Brendan phoned me up said that he wanted to bring in um, Bertie, so Ryan Bertram from Chelsea. So, um, and he didn't want to do, the, the club couldn't do both deals. So they signed Bertie. And then what actually happened was, was Nicky Hammond, who's the director of football, phoned Pardew um, from their time at Reading together and told Pardew that, you know, some of my praises and that, that the club had to sign me. And based on that, Pardew then signed me the next day. Wow. That's so good. Funny <laughs> because then when I left, Bertie came to Southampton as well. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, strange. Yeah. Um, but he, Pardew also made some big signings that year as well, because Lambert came in and Hammond came in, Font, Barnard, Punchin, David Connolly. I mean, what, was it an easy decision to make? Because you had to drop down a division from, from Ipswich to Saints and, you know, with a 10-point deduction. I mean... <laughs> Did you ever feel like the move may have been a mistake or did you genuinely feel that with, with Pardew in the cluster of players that were coming no, I in? Think, I think when you look at the size of the club and, mm. and how the club was run at the time, it was never ever going to be, it was a very easy decision. Sometimes you, you have to take that, that sideways or, or backwards step to, to take a forward step. So not not in any not at any point in my career did I think it was a, a bad move or the wrong move. That's good. I'd like to hear that. But yeah, I mean... With a ten-point deduction, you, and the the players that they had, and you thought maybe you could make a decent fight of it, and ended up finishing seventh that season with the deduction, um, and of course the Johnston's Paint Trophy as well, which was um, which is excellent. Which is, you know, I, I talked to Saints fans today, and they still still bring that up, and 
yeah, just just a magical year that was really. Well, it's about yeah. three years, really. Um, mm, yeah. Almost, you know, and, and the problem is, is, I think a lot of us went on to different clubs um, and expected to have the same sort of thing that happened in Southampton, but it, it was it was a unique thing to have at a football club, um, and I don't think it will be rectified anywhere again, really. Mm. Um, but Alan Pardew, what, what was he like as a manager and, and you know, off the pitch? Did you get along with him okay? Yeah, yeah. Again, he was he was someone that was, you know, spoke his mind and would tell you what he thinks. Um, some people like that, some people don't. Um, for me, it was always very good because you know where you stand with him. You know, you know what he's thinking, what he, what his expectations are. You know, and if you don't hit them expectations, then you're not in the team, and then you've got no argument. So, I, I liked his style of management. He was a good character. He was a good guy, um, and we got on really well actually. That's great. Yeah, I like to hear that, you know, players come with a manager outside of football as well, which is um, something that we don't often hear about. But, um, yeah, he made your Saints debut against Millwall. Um, and you scored your first goal quite quite quickly as well. It took, you know, your fifth game um, in August 2009. It was Brentford. Do you remember this one? Because well, I tried to find this goal and I couldn't. Um, uh, so I, 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 can't I, remember. I, think, I can't remember who crossed it. But I remember someone and I sort of snuck in around the back post. Um, it and I, yeah, I, I've got vague memories of it. <laughs> yeah, I wish I did. I, I, I mean, I can't. I, as I say, I can't find it. I've been, been looking everywhere for it, but I can't can't find it at all. But um, you scored quite a few goals that season as well, actually. In your first yeah, season. Exactly. Yeah, project, one of the things I did do, which another manager I've never known a manager to do, is he used to set targets for positions. So wow. So for his fullbacks, he said that if, if both fullbacks can get three goals, you'll get promoted. Um, and then I think he, I think the centre halves were five or six goals, and then midfield is you think you're talking about eight goals, and then um, I think the centre forwards in one is sort of twenty goals plus. And he said that if everyone hits these targets, then mathematically you'll get promoted. Um, obviously, without the deduction, we would have got promoted. Um, and I can't remember if everyone else hit the targets, but I remember hitting my targets, and I, yeah, I did let him know that. Well. <laughs> That's brilliant. I, I, I can't imagine Hasenhut doing that with the team nowadays because you struggle to get the uh, to get the goals. Yeah. But yeah, that's that's brilliant. Uh, you also got, got one against against Leeds as well, your old club. What was that like? Yeah, I think I actually remember this one. Just I, I remember this one. Yeah, I remember Punch. He went to shoot, and he, he got he, he. And I just had this feeling he was gonna he was gonna miss hit it, and he did. And I literally <laughs> made the run, and I ended up scoring from about a yard. Yeah, that's remember, right. Yeah, remember, a little tapping. I remember. Um, <laughs> yeah, I remember celebrating in front of the Leeds fans actually, and I remember. Um, but they didn't like that. No, they didn't. No. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, that, that season was great from a, from a fan's perspective. Anyway, like personally, growing up with Saints in the nineties, we we had so many you know dices with relegation and, and just scraping through sometimes on the last day. But you know, it's easy to look back at those League One days and say it was a horrible time. But in fact, I really enjoyed it because I was going to the games and you know Saints were favourites for games. And even with the you know deduction, you felt that the group of players that we had, we had every chance. And there was some. Big big wins that season. Four one over Gillingham, five one over Warsaw, five 0 Huddersfield, five one Bristol Rovers, and of course the run in the Johnston's paint. Some great memories for us fans and and Ricky, of course, banging in thirty five goals. Um, Lalana as well, with chipping in with twenty odd goals. But I mean, but as a player, what was that season like for you? Yeah, I think I summed it up there, and I think what's 
what's key for me is whenever I go back, um, you know, those days, those players are never forgotten. And the fans let us know that as they're, they're very appreciative. Of, the club wouldn't be where it is today without us players and what we achieve. Um, and, and I get a lot of feedback from fans saying that although now they're in the Premier League and you know they had the wonderful time a couple of years ago getting into Europe and stuff like that, is that the, the seasons that they most enjoy were those three seasons that you know we was all going through the leagues and getting the promotions. Definitely for me, it was great. It was good to go and go and see teams that we weren't used to seeing, you know, growing up and stuff. But yeah, um, and as mentioned before, you know, some great players in that team of you: Calvin Davis, Jason Punch, and Papa Wago, uh, Joseph Font, Dean Hammond, of course, Barnard, Morgan Schneiderlin, yeah, Lambert, yeah. Lambert, yeah. Lambert, yeah. I mean, and yeah. a very, very young Michael Antonio for a for a short loan spell. I mean, it's but yeah, I mean, it's, it's great players. It's incredible, really, the team that we had and, and what some of them players have gone on to achieve. And, you know that that's credit to, and I don't think Pardew gets enough credit for that. Is that he brought in a lot of those players? Um, yeah. And he, you know, he kept Lallana because I think at one point he was off the balls um, for a million quid. When you think about it, what a wow ridiculous decision that would have been to let him go. Um, you know, he kept Morgan Snydlin. Um, you know, he brought in Jose Font. You know, all these players that have gone on to you know great things, win Champions Leagues and and, and win European Cups. Um, so I don't think Pardew and, and the staff get enough credit for, for the players that they brought in at that time. No, probably not. And yeah, but just some great players. And you know, it's, it's, it's some of those boys that went on to, and the reason why they, they went on to achieve greatness is because of, you know, their individual um, mentality, you know, the type of people they were, you know, they were nice people, they were great people to, to go into work with, but they were winners at the end of the day. Um, and, and that's shown with what they've gone on to achieve. Absolutely, yeah, and as I say, we've mentioned it before, like the, the just missing the playoffs, but winning the JPT, and uh, you were a star in that game, weren't you? Played the played the whole ninety minutes, and as I mentioned before, so it was magical for us as well. You know that we still talk about it. Saints at Wembley doesn't happen all too often, but to actually win something there, it was it was just really really special. And what was the day like for you? And you know what was the celebrations like as well? Yeah, I mean it's a special day, a special time, and. Um... You know, you try and pick up bits. And for me, for the game, I can't really remember too much about it. But I remember the season, and when you've got the likes of Lambert and Lalana and Barnard and people like that up top, it just makes your job so much easier because you know that if you can keep a clean sheet, that they will score goals. So. It, it gives you something to really aim for is that, you know, if you're in a team where, you know, you, you take three or four opportunities to score a goal, it, it sort of deflates you a little bit as a defender. But we knew that, you know, we, we didn't even need a chance. We needed a half chance and Ricky would put the ball in the back of the net or Adam would create something from nothing or, you know, someone would create something from somewhere because we had such great players is that you can really concentrate on, on keeping a clean sheet. And, or conceding the least amount of goals as you can, and, and you're going to have a huge chance of winning every game. So, you know, as soon as you, as soon as we went one 0 up, um, I felt very confident that we'd go on and win the game, and we did very comfortably. I think it was, was it four one in the end. Four one, yeah. But what was actually quite funny was that after the game, Wally Downs, who was the defensive coach, he was going nuts about the, the goal that we conceded. Um, <laughs> that was a late one as well. Wasn't yeah, it? it was. Yeah, it was a bit of a sloppy one. But yeah, but that was the type of mentality of the. Of, of the, the coaching staff and the, you know, the players <laughs> were disappointed that we we were obviously happy that we won but we were disappointed that we conceded such a crap goal yeah that's brilliant I like to hear that as well um, 
but yeah, moving on to the to the next season, the 2010-11 season, and it started with tragedy, of course, because Marcus Lieber had sadly passed away, and it, it, it rocked the entire city really. And I mean, how how did the club and, and yourself deal with that? Um, yeah, I mean, it, it's a sad moment, um, and you know, I'm real thankful for Marcus for you know for, for saving the club and putting the money in and, and things like that. But you know, it, we didn't know him on a personal level, so you know, it, it's sad for the family and sad for. But but life does move on, so and I'm sure that you know he he would have wanted us to to carry on as normal, um, and, and, and which we did, I think, very well. Yeah, well, it, I mean, it didn't start. Um, a bit brightly as as we hoped because you I mean, you lost home to to Plymouth I believe on the first day and then it was late in Orient I think it was one one um, but then four 0 win at Bristol Rovers and then days later Alan Pardew sacked I mean that must have been a shock to you uh, yeah maybe maybe not I mean I think there was obviously friction or tension between the manager and, and the, the chairman. Um, <laughs> and um, the only thing I, the only thing is, is knowing Nicola and knowing him well was that you know he, he was a winner as well, um, you know, and he he had to make tough decisions and he wasn't afraid to make tough decisions. And sacking Pardew was probably one of the toughest decisions he would have had to have done, um, but it worked out for the best for the football club. Yeah, I mean it did because Nigel Adkins came in and. I mean, how, how did you adjust to that, to the, to the new structure? And, you know, from, from the outside looking in, Adkins it just seems like a great guy to root for. You know, he seems like a great manager to play for as well. And was it the same feelings for you? Yeah, I mean, you're always going to give your best and you've got to respect the decisions of the club and that's what the club wanted to do. They thought that was the best way for the club to move forward. Um, and that's what, as professionals, we do. We just get on with it. And, of course, the season was great. I mean, the main crux of the team stayed where they were. You know, Lambert with the goals and you know the, the rest of the squad, you included, being involved most weeks and... You played 36 games that year, which was, you know, reliable, and and I think you were named in the League One Team of the Year as well that season. So yeah, I think there was one, um, which again is, is 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 unheard of, really. That you know you you have that accolade, but it is the highest accolade you can have. So it's you know to be to be voted by other players from opposition teams um, that you're the best in that position is um was very special as well so it was it was it was it was a good time yeah as well deserved as well um Gooley came in um did well on his debut season the 11 goals he scored uh he got given a permanent deal at the end of that what, what was he like yeah he was he was a character um he was a yeah he seems like point, it. <laughs> uh liked his liked his, his his fashion and things like that but again i think he i think he came in um Possibly with not the attitude that he left with. So what I mean by that is we had some very strong characters um, in that changing room. Even the likes of a young Adam Lallana. Um, you know, we, we we were a team that didn't take much, you know, we, we wanted to do things the right way. And if people weren't doing things the right way, we had a mentality in the squad to tell them um, in the right way. Um, mm -hmm. I think, you know, from the older pros to the captain, you know, Calvin Davis and Danny Butterfield and, and, and people like that, they, they wouldn't accept um, certain behaviours. Um, and I think we managed the changing room very, very well, which which in this day and age is a very important thing to do. So I think he came in with one attitude um, and we very quickly adjusted it. And um, obviously he flourished with it. Also, um, very young Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain came into the team then as well. 
Yeah. Um, he was, you know, again, another player that's gone on to win Champions Leagues and, and play for his country and things like that. Um, another product of the Southampton youth setup um, that was given a chance. And again, you know, if you speak to to Chamber, I'm sure that he he has nothing but nice things to say about you know the boys that were in the changing room at the time that helped him carve his career out. Did you know at the time that how you know how good he was gonna gonna um, be? Yeah, I mean, you, you know, you, you don't walk, you don't come into an environment with those players that we had at the age of 16 um, without having something special about you. So he was obviously a special talent. Um, and he's gone on to, to show everyone what a good player he is. Rumours of him coming back as well at the start of, uh, start of the off-season. Yeah, but... I would imagine so. I don't see, I, I, I'd see that as a very positive, good move for him, um, where he's going to play some regular football. I'd like it. I thought I would. But yeah, much like the season before, there was some, some cracking games there. Big wins as well, like 6-0 at Oldham, 3-1 at Bournemouth, 4-0 Exeter, 4-1 Huddersfield. Um, but the game that I always remember is that 4-4 with Peterborough at London Road. Um you started in that game. I mean, yeah, how do you describe it? Yeah, I think it's on Sanatelli on and see that and see that game going on. Yeah, I'm actually sick to death of it now. <laughs> yeah, uh, conceding a late penalty as well. It's just. Yeah, looking back, it's a tough one to take. But yeah, it was an incredible game. It, it was, it I mean, was no, great. I don't think there were many games where we conceded four goals, especially with that back four no. that we had in goal. Yeah, it was definitely a, a special one. But yeah, uh, anyway, it all ended in smiles because promotion to the championship, finishing second, um, three points behind your old club, Brighton. I mean, was that good for you? Was that something you were looking for, seeing both Saints and Brighton go up and... You know, even then, how did you feel about playing against your old clubs? Is it something that you relished or, or dreaded? Uh, no, it's always nice. To go back the majority of the same, the backroom staff are the same, so it's always very nice to go and, and, and see them and speak to them again. Um, in terms of, it was fantastic for you know for the seaside clubs to, to both get promoted, and, and, and um, but for me. It, Yes, it was nice to see them up there, and it's, it's so nice to see them doing well. But it didn't really matter. The only thing that mattered to me was the team that I was playing for, and that was Southampton. And the fact that Brighton got promoted, yeah, that's great. But it didn't really affect me in any way, shape, or form. That's a good answer. <laughs> I like that. Um, okay, then we're moving on to the 2011-12 uh, season, and yeah, this was it. This is the season when you you signed a new deal at the start of that season. Is that right? Yeah, yeah. So, uh, yeah. We brought in, I think the, the club realised that maybe um, Brian Dixon um, was sort of struggling to step up to the level that, that was needed. Um, and, and Nicola had a vision for, for two two players for every position um, to create, you know, a squad mentality. Um, so, therefore, they needed another left-back in their right. So, they, they went out and bought... Um, Danny Fox, but part of the That's deal right. was I think they wanted to reward me for for what we'd achieved so far, um, and to make sure that I knew that I was a huge still part of their plans. Um, so they gave me a new three year deal. When when Fox came in, did did Atkins like tell you that it's going to be you know the the, the left back role is going to be between you two? Uh, yeah, yeah, no, you... it's all spoken about before. Yeah, um, so yeah. They, they, what what the three year deal was was reassurance that. I was still a huge part of the plans, which, you know, if you are a player um, and they bring someone in in your position, which which happens all the time, um, clubs don't always reward the players that, that are there. So I saw it as a huge positive. Um, 
that you know Nicola wanted me to, to stay at the club and the fact that they were offering a three-year deal um, and what they put on the table was 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 exciting for myself and my family. When we had um, Dean Hammond on the show, we asked him about this season and we said, um, you know, what was the goal for the season and did you think that automatic promotion was a realistic goal? And he said yes. Um, do you agree with him? Was, was this the case? Did you, you know, did you set out going up to the Premier League in your first attempt? Yeah, without a doubt. You just have to look at the players in the squad. You know, sort of ninety percent of them are Premier League players. So, you know, it's where it's where the, the club deserved to be. It's where the players that were in the squad deserved to be, and it's where we wanted to be. So it was always, it was always, that was always the goal, without a doubt. Um, and it's actually funny that after the promotion, um, we we went out to Vegas and we were sat with the um, the Norwich squad, and they'd actually achieved what we achieved, but a year earlier. So they went, they just went to that promotions, and they were sat there um, after their promotion to the Premier League. Um, and we, I think, we all sort of secretly said to ourselves, "Well, that you know." We looked around and we said that that could definitely be us next year, and uh, and then we twelve months later we did exactly that. That's brilliant, yeah. And that, some some standout games from that season as well. Obviously, opening up with that three-one win against Leeds, which was massive because I never expected that at all. Um, Five-two Ipswich, another one of your your former teams. Yeah, three-nil uh, yeah. Brighton, three-nil Forest, all of your clubs. Yeah, I think uh, I think you know if you're going to achieve anything in the season. A good start is, is so important, but then saying that you look at Forest, you know, they were bottom of the bottom of the table. That's I sure were, yeah. So yeah, so maybe not. But but if you're going to achieve automatic promotion, you've got, you've got to have a good start. Um, and you know, we had a really good preseason, did all the things right. Um, and uh, like I say, like you said, there is the first. The first 10 games, I think, uh, were really, really good results. Excellent. Yeah, and I remember the Millwall game. That was um, that was at Millwall, went at the 3-2 with the, I think we had a the late win. Yeah, the, yeah, that's fantastic. And again, and of course. Like, I remember it because Ricky took the penalty with the last kick of the game, and you just know that he's going to put it in the back of the net. Um, it just just stays so cool all the time, just so calm, and it just, yeah, amazes me. Yeah. I mean, that's what makes them so great. That's what the players do have. They have that calmness and the ability that no matter what the pressure is, to stay ice cool. Um, and he had that in abundance. Yeah, he did. And that 4-0 win over uh, Coventry on the last day. Oh, just, um, yeah, great times. And I got, you got to witness a couple of South Coast derbies this season as well. They were, I think they, but yeah, they both ended in draws. But what was that like, you know? And, and, and the preparation for a game like that. Yeah, no, they were good. Yeah. They were fantastic. Um, <laughs> it, you know, the atmosphere was was amazing. Um, I actually remember playing Portsmouth when they was in the Premier League um, under Pardew, and um, I think they turned us over four one. But it, it was expected because we was in the redevelopment stages, and they they were I think they were doing well in the Premier League. And um, that's right. And it, and that was even 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 from the Southampton point of view is that, that we got beaten um, quite comfortably at the end. But I could see, you know, the desire, the passion and what it meant to the fans um, just to be playing in that game. So, you know, when, when we went to Fratton Park and, you know, you're, you're travelling down the... Um, it's the A27, isn't it, or the M27? M27, and, yeah, and, M27. And, you know, the, their fans are throwing rocks at the buses off the bridges and things mm. like that. And the closer you get to Fratton Park, you know, the more 
um, ferocious the, the away fans are being towards the, you know just the bus. So it, you know, it, a lot of people can become intimidated by that. But you know, we were very confident that, that like I say, that the players that we had in the team at the time, um, you know, if we knew if we went out and did our jobs properly. Um, that we would end up winning games of football quite comfortably. In in training, like, is it, does it become more intense leading up to a derby? I mean, do, do, do managers drill it in no, to you, or players treat it as any other game? That's completely the opposite to what you want to, you know, just because they are your rivals, you still have to, put, you know, you can't, you can't, it, everything has to be the same. You just have to treat it like a normal game, although it's not. You have to treat it like a normal game, otherwise, you know, mistakes can creep in and, and things like that. You need to keep your calm and composure and, and not, you know, lose that composure in the, during the game. So for me, it was all about just trying to keep everything level, everything the same, um, and not, you know, making it into this special occasion and this big thing. Um, although, you know, the fans want it to be, you need to keep yeah. those calm. Um, and, and and that's the most important thing. I don't know how you guys do it. I really don't. It's just like for for a fan of the the week building up to a game like that, you just you're thinking about it all the time, and it's yeah, a big responsibility for the players. It yeah, sure it is. is. And, and you know, players, we know that, but you can't get caught up in the emotions of, of it all because you know you end up you you won't be on the pitch very long. Um, <laughs> and, and that's the important thing is that that everyone goes out knowing their job roles and responsibilities and sees them through. Um, you know, at the end of the day, you can only get three points. Obviously, it's important for the fans, but by winning, you still only get three points. Um, you don't get more points for beating your rivals or anything like that. So it's, it's about, you know, seeing the task ahead and, and seeing the job through. Wise words. Um, after the promotions to the Premier League, you left uh, for, for, for Forest. Um, was that your decision to leave? Does it come back to the fact that you just wanted more? Yeah, more I mean, I'm sure it was coming through. And again, a, a conversation with, with Nicola uh, was had. Um, and Nicola was very adamant that the, the, the club wanted to push through these young players. Um, and he said that he said that the club will be doing that. Um, he, he, he wanted me to stay. Um, but for me, there was a couple of um, personal issues that, that sort of pushed me towards that move. Um, and it was it was a sad time really because I, I didn't really want to leave. Um, like I say, the club were very good to me. They wanted me to stay, um, but I, like I say, I couldn't guarantee me guarantee first thing football. Um, and with the fact that they were pushing Luke through, which which obviously was the right decision to make. Um, for me, playing football is the most important thing. So rather than than sitting there and, and not really contributing towards the team or the squad. Um, would have been not a nice feeling. So I chose to, to go and play um, regular first-time football again, which I had done throughout my whole career. I, I was always one that wanted to play, yeah. um, no matter what. Um, and, and, and for me, what we'd achieved at Southampton, um, what I could see was they were trying to tr achieve that at Forest. So again, it might be seen as a backward step. But for me, it was almost like a sideward step that that we could go and achieve what I just achieved for Southampton at, um, at Forest. And playing every week and as well, which is, week, which is the most important yeah. thing to me. So, otherwise I, so you stayed, otherwise I you really stayed there for three years. years. <laughs> you stayed for three years and, you know, had a low, uh, brief loan spell at Mill. Uh, but Forest, yeah, back in the Premier League now. And 
that that's amazing because you know I was pleased with that, and I, I assume that you, that you are too. And you know, I've met him in the Premier League for a while. I think you know, I remember back to the days of what, Teddy Sheringham and Roy Keane and Brian Clough. So yeah, it's it's, it's great to have. Yeah, it's a world-renowned club with a world-renowned um and you know i think a lot of teams or a lot of fans think that the club deserves to be in the premier league and you know and ultimately you can only do that by football um but in terms of what they'll bring to the premier league they are definitely a premier league side uh in terms of off the pitch um they're oh, yeah. definitely a premier league club and the premier league will be better with them in it got to go to newcastle in the first game i think that'll be a, yeah, that'll be that'll be a good one <laughs> um and then you played for, for eastleigh and, and whitehawk um but I've read here on Wikipedia as well, and I hope you can clear this up for me. Is it true that you turned down and moved to Portsmouth? Yeah, so... so Yay! Yeah. Uh, uh, sorry, when I finished at um, Forest, um, I had a few options. Um, but for personal reasons, uh, what myself and my wife was going through with our children, um, I didn't want to move up north. Um, I had a, an offer to go and play for a, a championship club, um, which I turned down. Um, and then I think Portsmouth sort of worked this out or overheard um, for an agent or something that, that I was wanting to stay down south. So I think they sort of tried to come in and, and, and maybe make a deal or an offer. Um, but for me, I, I, you know, I lived in Southampton. I'd had all those amazing times with Southampton. Um, what I didn't want to do was to upset what I'd created or what we'd created um, by doing that. So I don't, I don't regret it in the slightest. Um, but I just, I, I don't think I would have had the same um, respect from the fans that I have now. Um, if I would have made that move, if you, if you live away from Southampton and you played for Southampton and then for another club, I think that's completely. You know, my, my kids go to school in Southampton. You walk down the road, and you know everyone's a Southampton fan. And I just think it it causes issues that you might not want to cause in your personal life. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's a good decision. I, I'm glad that you turned it down anyway. But um, uh, we have to mention the England under twenty one. Uh, four appearances. Was that all under Peter Taylor? Yes, that was all under Peter Taylor. Yeah. And uh, what was he like, and how was it uh, representing your country? Um, you know, I can't thank him enough for, for what he did for my personal career um, and the confidence that he gave me, um, and obviously those four England caps that he gave me as well. So, he, you know, he's a he's a fantastic manager. Uh, he's a fantastic person, um, and I've got nothing but good things to say uh, to him. Um, and about him, yeah. I mean, it, yeah, it's, it's, it's the highest accolade you can have. So it's, it's it's something that will stick with me forever. You know, my caps are and my shirts are up around my house, and you know, and you know, they're nice for my son to see, and you know, they're nice for me to to see, um, and to to think about those occasions. And today, uh, what are you doing with yourself these days? And we moved back to Brighton, um, which was always going to be our plan to do that at some point. Um, so we've done that, um, and now I work um, at a local independent school um, called Beads, uh, and I help out with the football department there. So I just do the football, um, which is which is a really impressive program, um, which I absolutely love doing, basically. 
Excellent. That's brilliant. Um, and just just before we let you go, um, I'm just going to ask you a few quick fire questions about your teammates. Um, first one that comes to mind, anyway. Um, best player you've ever played with? No, no, you can be for anyone. Okay. But yeah, same answer um, would be nice. Yeah, do you know what? It's <laughs> yeah. Do you know what? Defender on that, but yeah, I've played with so many great players that have gone on to choose to, to play. You know, at the highest level. Um, and all for different reasons, um, but I, for overall, in terms of what he did on the pitch and the type of person he was off the pitch and my friendship with him, I would probably have to say Ricky Lambert. And um, what about the hardest player you've played against? Oh, uh, well, in terms of what, as in hard as in strength-wise, or as in like... No, just as in that it's given you the most difficult... Oh. There's loads of them. Um, <laughs> um, I always found um, Zaha to be a tough uh, opponent. He was... It's the, it's the, the speed, I'm yeah, guessing. Just, just, but, I mean, I played against him when he was very raw. I mean, he's obviously gone undeveloped massively. Um, but he was he was just so sharp and so quick. Um, he was always... he was. If he used to get... If he, if he, if he could shift your body weight the wrong way... He was, he was, he was, you could never catch him because he was too quick. So you, you, you have to be, you know, on your defensive game with him because he was very, very sharp and very, very quick. Um, you got the likes of, uh, I was very fortunate to play against the Spanish national team. So Iniesta was playing. Um, wow. He was, although he wasn't very quick, you know, he was obviously one of the best players on the football. So, you know, to get anywhere near him was, was always very difficult. Um, and, you know, and you've got your, your Lampards and Drogba's and people like that. And so there's an array of them all for different reasons. But I would probably say that a one-on-one player, would, would I would probably have to go with Zaha. Perfect. Um, was there a team that you dreaded to play? Yeah, the only the only team I probably would say would, would there's probably two, and it's probably Stoke away on a midweek Tuesday night. <laughs> that was never a pretty one. Um, but I, I never used to like facing Brighton just because I'm a Brighton boy. I, I had no problem playing mm. against old clubs. But but when when your family and, and your wife's family are from Brighton, um, you know, and you're getting stick off the whole crowd, it, I, I did talk <laughs> on that a little bit. Yeah, that one used to probably affect me more than anything else. Um, you listen to the crowd a lot when they're well, you, you get to a point in your life where you don't. Um, but it, sometimes, sometimes you do let it affect you. Um, and probably I would probably say that maybe once that, that did affect me. Um, I mean, where I sit at St Mary's, I sit right by the corner flag. Whenever the opposing uh, the players come up to take a corner, the amount of abuse they get sometimes, and they just don't even look, and they just, no, just don't. It's, it's, no, it's, 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 it's probably when you've got 40,000 people booing you, that's probably when you have to take a little bit. Of, <laughs> you have to listen to that a little bit. <laughs> um, best trainer? Well, again... <laughs> There's lots you could put in that category, but I, for me, probably in terms of ability-wise and, and attitude and, and dedication, um, you're probably going to look at someone like Kelvin Davis, or you're probably going to look at someone like Adam Lallana. Um, but in terms of in terms of off the pitch and looking after yourself, you just have to look at what Jose Font has, has gone on to achieve. Yeah, he's just signed another year's deal, and I, I think he's a, a year younger than me. Um, so you know, he in terms of best trainer. You know, you, you could probably say, look at Jose and think of what, everything that he does off the pitch to prolong his career. I've never known anyone like it. You know, Kelvin was the same. You know, he would always be doing his bits and pieces off the pitch to prolong his career and get as long as he can out of his body. Um, but in terms of ability-wise and, and 
and things like that, I would probably have to say someone like Adam Lallana. Oh, brilliant. Uh, best manager you've played for? Do you know what? There's lots of managers that have lots of positives about them and, and a few negatives. But for me, the best manager that I've ever had personally would have been my youth team manager, Dean Wilkins. Ah, okay. Excellent. So much to thank him for. Um, and, and, you know, we, just just give you a little insight to, to the person that he was, is that when I was 16 years old, which would have been, bloody hell, how long is that? Like 20, 22 years ago in the youth team, we was playing 4-3-3, you know, and that was unheard of, you know. So the guy was many years ahead of his time and he studied the game and loves the game and, and, and is just an all-round good guy. And um, I, I, I still speak to him regularly now, so I've got nothing but, you know, good things to say about Dean and I'm sure that if, if Dean wasn't in my life at that point um, and again at Southampton I definitely wouldn't have achieved what I went on to achieve that's excellent that's good uh, favourite goal I remember scoring a free kick against Leeds that was probably my favourite goal not very important never really scored many um, I don't know for a fullback you scored a fair yeah, few yeah um, I suppose it's always nice to score against your old club so you know the one, although it was a tap in um, maybe the one against Leeds, you know, at home, um, you, mm. you got the ball rolling for that season. So we could probably put promotion down to that goal. So probably, yeah, that goal, I would say. <laughs> Perfect. Um, Dan, that is about it. Um, I just want to thank you so much for, for coming on. Um, it's a real treat for me. And yeah, I want to thank you sincerely as well for everything you've done for the club. And you're a massive part of the success that we had in, in the difficult times. So yeah, but thank you for... for Perfect. Sharing. Thank you. Sports Social Podcast Network. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.